Good afternoon, everybody. Today we're talking to two of my esteemed colleagues who uh, graduated from Oxbridge, that wonderful place that's somewhere between Oxford and Cambridge. However, in real life, it is the two universities that are called Cambridge and Oxford. And we want to talk about not only how to get in there, but also what life is like at Cambridge and Oxford. So firstly, I'd like to introduce Mr Campbell. Yeah, so I'm Jack Campbell. I read philosophy, politics and economics at uh, St Hugh's College, Oxford. And this sounds like a university challenge introduction. And I'm Izzy Richards and I read history uh, at Trinity College, Cambridge, graduating in 2011. Fantastic. So I think we'll just do it in, in a simple order. Uh, we'll talk about what you think it takes to get into Cambridge, Oxford, and then we'll talk about life in those two esteemed establishments. Does that make sense? Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay, Jack. Um, now, you are the person who's in, responsible for our uh, Oxbridge entries in our school. So um, can you tell us a little bit um, the application to any other UK university? You apply centrally through, through UCAS and you put... Oxford or Cambridge down as one of your, your choices. You can't put both down. Um, like with many courses, there are uh, pre-interview uh, tests for almost all degrees that uh, at Oxford and Cambridge. Uh, now, should you be relatively successful in the pre-interview test and your application on uh, paper, inverted commas, with, with UCAS is good, uh, candidates are invited to interview which normally takes place at the start and from kind of the, the first two or three weeks of December uh, so the interviews can can range in in format in in feel um, and uh, af after that results or results in the comments decisions are fed back to candidates in the middle of January okay now uh, just to be clear there is one advantage in applying to Cambridge here right for Malaysians yeah, Malaysian students have the opportunity for almost all degrees to be interviewed by Cambridge tutors in Malaysia, which is something that Oxford doesn't offer. And it's also something that um, Cambridge doesn't actually offer to many countries in the world. I think off the top of my head, it might be Singapore, Hong Kong, China and Malaysia. So it, it's a really, uh, really unique opportunity for, for students in Malaysia who decide to apply to Cambridge, yes. Fantastic. Okay. Um, do you have anything to add there? No, I think the process has been outlined clearly. Okay. Um, just to say that, that, that there are obviously sort of the quirks and um, differences that sometimes exist between colleges, even within one of these yeah. universities. So I know that for certain courses, um, some colleges might uh, want to see uh, different types of samples of work. They might have their own mini tests. Uh, so the, the exact nature of the interview when you arrive might be different in that some colleges um, have their own system for for instance getting you to do some quick reading and answering comprehension questions yes. so it's really good to look at the individual colleges subject pages yes. for more information on those specifics and that might help you as a candidate if you know your own strengths and weaknesses to decide exactly where you'll make your application and I think this is one of those important things between Cambridge and Oxford because when I first came to Cambridge this idea of everybody talking about colleges but as I recall colleges are where you live and the university departments are where you get taught. Is that generally? I, I'd say it's. Uh, it, it depends. Yes. Um, one way to 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 think about it for someone who's never heard of colleges before. Yes. Is if if you live in the United States of America, uh, you have to live in one of the fifty states, 
and you live in the United States of America. It's like that with colleges at Oxford and Cambridge. Uh, if you are a member of a college at Oxford, you are also a member of the University at Oxford. You cannot be a member of the University of Oxford without being a member of a college at Oxford. Now, in terms of where the, the teaching takes place, um, I think it does depend to an extent on subject, but most colleges have a, a tutor or a, maybe even a couple of tutors for most subjects, especially the, right. the less specialised subjects that undergraduates are likely to encounter in their first year. Yes. There is also teaching that takes place centrally um, by the department, yes. whether that be lectures, whether that's uh, classes uh, or labs if you're a, a science student. Which brings us nicely into the tutoring system. So both of you assumed got tutors? Yes, so in my case, uh, studying history, um, we called them supervisors rather than tutors, but that was just a different difference in terminology yes. uh, to avoid any confusion. And the idea, the structure of my particular course was that each term you would have a supervisor for the paper you were doing. You would also engage with a wide range of academics because they would be giving lectures or sometimes seminars relevant to your papers. And also within college, you would have a director of studies who was the person in charge of looking after the sort of academic and to some extent pastoral needs of the group of students who uh, were studying that subject in that college. Academic care. Absolutely, yes. yes. And Jack, what about yours experience? Yeah, very, very similar to that, um, if not identical. Right, um, yes. Yeah, I think it might be worth actually just taking a, a step back and we mentioned interviews earlier. Yes. I think it could be worth just, given that we spoke about the application process, just yes. to to talk through our various experiences with, with interviews. Yes, um, that would be a good idea. So start with yours, Jack. So I had a, an interesting experience in that um, I had... So I applied to Hartford College, yes, Oxford, and I ended up having seven interviews in the space of three days. Yeah, um, wow. So I was uh, probably the, the most borderline of borderline candidates. Um, each of the, so I, I have sat in seven different interviews, so I've had a, a bit of a flavour for the different variety of, of formats that they can take. That they can take. Uh, some of them were very, very informal discussions, just about my personal statement, which then branched off into a, a, a multitude of directions. Uh, some were very formal. In the, I remember one of my economics interviews were was a series of five questions. Uh, mathematics or, or quantitative questions that they clearly asked every single candidate. Uh, others were very kind of back and forwards. Um, my philosophy ones were very back and forward logic, changing various premises um, and kind of seeing w what the results of various statements would be. So I had a real, a real mix of interviews across a range of colleges. I was interviewed across three colleges. Um, so Jesus College, uh, sorry, Hartford College, where I applied for, mm. St. Hugh's College, where I ended up, and also Queen's College as well. Oh, right. Oh, so I thought you had to apply to an individual college, or is it...? So I did, yeah. Well, two things there. You can uh, submit an open application yes. where they assign you to a college, but I did apply for Hartford College, right. one single college, but they do often share out and distribute candidates between oh, colleges, whether it's for quality control, whether it's for a case of... Uh, we think you're good enough, but you're not in our top six sure. or however many places there are here. So they, they do 
share people out for a, a number of reasons. Okay. I can second that. My, my brother went to Oxford, uh, was currently still studying there, and he had a very similar experience. Applied to one college, had interviews with that college, also whilst he was on that visit, was invited to a range of other interviews, oh, and right. ended up being given a place by a different college to where he applied. So I think that is quite common. Yeah. Um, occasionally a similar thing happens at Cambridge. I, I knew of at least one friend who uh, was given a second interview while she was up. And, uh, but I think it's less common at Cambridge, isn't it? It's, it's more that um, they tend to do, they have what's known as their pool, where if you are a candidate who does quite well at interview and has lots of promising uh, signs where that college you've applied to have decided they don't have a place for you, then uh, you will be dropped into this pool of very promising candidates where other colleges will leaf through your application and potentially might make you an offer. So slight difference there. Yes. That's a, and as I say, it is, it is quite a, a process. But the one thing I've noticed about these interviews is they tend to be a good deal less formal than people might expect, right? I would say that second-guessing the approach of the interviewer is quite difficult to do. Yes. I will say that um, people often have this perception that the interviews will be very wacky, that they'll be interviewed by these wildly eccentric individuals. Something that Oxford and Cambridge have both done over recent years is provided their interviewers with quite a lot more training in how to approach interviews, I think, which does n- by no means removes the quirks, nor would you wish it to, uh, but it does perhaps... Um, mean that there are certain things that are more likely to occur. Most interviewers are quite good at putting you at ease and they may really challenge you but they also are very aware that these are young people applying they want to get the best out of you and certainly students who are put off applying because they think that this will be a very intimidating process um, I think shouldn't worry about that it's it can be stressful it can, it yeah. can it, of course you're put on the spot and you're yes. pushed yes uh but equally these are not dragons sort of guarding yeah i i definitely agree with that the the challenge and the stress tends should both should and in reality does tend to come from the academic discussion rather than the personality of interviewers or the, the, the kind of situation um, so yeah I, I would definitely agree with that both from my personal experience experience of my peers and also experience of the students who we've worked with and come back and said it was hard but it wasn't scary they were really nice I really enjoyed it yeah uh, sometimes they, they say it was quite conversational but at other times they say no it, it was still quite formal um, but yeah generally they it's a positive experience I think for most people Indeed, I think it's something really great about these interviews is that it is an opportunity for you to have at least one, if not more, really top academics talking about your academic interests. And I think that whether you get in or not, that's such a valuable opportunity. I also think that the process of preparing for and going through that interview teaches you something about yourself. Um, If you are somebody who thinks that you'd like to study a subject at a high level, but when you practice um, being interviewed or when you actually go for an interview and you find that you're, you're not able to talk with passion and sincerity about your subject, that might raise a question about whether you want whether Oxford or Cambridge is right for you. Equally, even if you're a candidate who goes away without a place, you might have discovered or woken a passion through that process, which you can then take to any other, ex, one of the many other brilliant universities around the world and where you can really shine and come into your own 
there. So uh, I can see I it think, as embrace yeah, the learning. I think that's an important point, is that we shouldn't forget that there are many excellent universities around the world. And Cambridge and Oxford are obviously very prestigious, but they're not for everybody. And the way they work is, is very intensive, right, for a short period of time. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that would be uh, probably, it, well, yeah, I think that would be one of the key uh, key words that encapsulates um, certainly my experience and the experience of most people I know at, at Oxford and, and Cambridge is uh, intense. Yes. Um, it's, it's shorter terms than at most universities. There's a in many cases a higher workload and an expectation that you fulfill that but within that there are all the other range of, of student activities whether it's sport whether it's drama whether it's music whether it's just general socializing the same amount of that still exists but in a shorter uh space of time so yeah intensity is the word uh, coupled with these tutorials uh, which are for that hour 45 minutes very intense experiences is in and of themselves so yeah intense would would be the word i would suggest yeah i, I don't think it's a kind of place where you'd be left to it is it well, I wouldn't say that, actually. I think it's about self-discipline and right. motivation. Um, for some subjects, uh, particularly, you know, if you're studying medicine or law, you're going, there's a vast amount of prescribed content. Yes. And I would imagine that the intent, those courses are very intense anyway. Yes. I would say that for some subjects, such as uh, my subject, actually, there was you were left to it a lot oh, of the time. Okay. So I used to have... Um, one for a lot of a lot of the time I would have perhaps one supervision and maybe one seminar compulsory a week and lectures on top of that and the fact is that um, unless you are really self-motivated unless you're independent unless you're good at disciplining yourself and working yes. things out for yourself making your own schedule it is that I think it, in a way that that can always be the biggest challenge um, of any university experience, but I think in some call, for some courses that's perhaps magnified at Oxbridge. Yes, you get that intense um, experience of this, these this sort of wonderful one-to-one -one or small group discussions of academics, but you don't have perhaps a very full schedule every day. It's up to you to fashion your own schedule. Does that sound uh, absolutely? Yeah. Uh, again, probably a, a coming from similar subjects, it's it's probably a uh, we, we've definitely got some shared experiences there. I had normally two tutorials a week and they were the only things that I had to attend um, and in some cases they were the only th things I did attend in terms of my, my learning um, obviously if the more lectures you go to the more kind of uh, opportunities you take to engage in the subject the more um, I, I was able to get out of the degree but yeah it was it was about constructing my own my own week my own month and in my final year uh, I had from January until my finals in June I had no tutorials whatsoever I had two revision tutorials and two revision classes it was just six months of right go and revise for your degree wow okay I think that's a great point to leave it if I can ask you what is uh, one suggestion you would get anybody who's applying for Oxbridge what would you say firstly to those who are applying and secondly to those who perhaps didn't get in Ah, for me that's um, both of those are quite easy. Um, if you don't get in, I would say do not turn Oxbridge into some sacred uh, cause or into some something that's going to leave you with bitterness for the rest of your life. Oxbridge is one 
brilliantly resourced, well-regarded university among many. So many people come into their own and shine later in life. Or, you know, perhaps you need to get in amongst your degree before, into the thick of it before you can fully discover your talents. Do not judge yourself according to that standard. Um, second question, biggest bit of advice is you should be reading things that are not directly associated with what you're doing in class and if you're not motivated to pick up those books I have to ask why are you applying if you claim you care about this subject enough to want to do it um, then actually it shouldn't feel like work to read yeah. around it I mean that's certainly true of every Cambridge student I've ever spoken to they can talk about their subject very passionately it is love of subject right yeah. anyway Jack your, your opportunity so uh, in terms of advice for those considering applying you've got to love your subject again it, it would 100% agree with everything that Izzy just says and I don't really have anything to add to it you've got to love your subject and what got you well presumably if you are thinking of applying you uh, have achieved very good grades so far in your GCSEs and you're on track to do similarly well in your A levels what got you those good grades won't get you a place at Oxford or Cambridge you can't cram for an exam and check things off against a nice learning checklist if you have to go and, and explore your own things and um, realize that there is a limitless um, breadth of information out there about your subject you just have to start engaging with things and it, it has to be things that that you are interested in that are different from the things that you are um, studying at school with regards to uh, for those who don't get in um, again, I agree with everything Izzy said. I would also add to that, um, at various times in life, without getting too um, uh, about things, various times in life, a little bit of adversity, a lot of good can come to it, come from it, sorry. A lot of good can come from adversity. Um, and just try and think of the things that you have gained from that process presuming that you've, you've engaged with it in the right way. You will have, if you've been preparing in the right way, whether you were successful in that application or not, you will have gained a heck of a lot from the process. So try and pick out the good things from that. Yeah, and I would say that nearly all the students who applied for Cambridge and not gonna, have gone on to another very good university yeah. and actually been very pleased with the university they've gone to a couple of years down the line. Absolutely. Um, if I may add one more thing that I wish I'd thought of before, I think perhaps even supplanting what I previously said, my number one piece of advice would actually be ask awkward questions. And really what I mean by this is when you're studying these different subjects, these qualifications set out for you, we rarely pause to ask, what is the point in studying this? What does it mean? Um, is this knowledge that we are being given, how do I know that that knowledge is actually the right thing? Why am I being taught this? Who's made this curriculum? What assumptions or politically ideals that might lie behind it? Depending on your subject, ask your teacher awkward questions. Ask yourself awkward questions. That, I think, uh, makes life much more enjoyable, but it's also really going to encourage you to think independently. Ask your teacher the right sort of awkward questions. Oh, yes. I should really have, <laughs> yeah. I should really have clarified when yeah. I'm Academically my awkward, awkward yeah. yes. Absolutely. Academically yeah. awkward. Thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. No worries. Thank you, James. Thank you, James. Bye-bye.